cafeteria to grab yourself a hot slice. Hey everyone, so today is our first video podcast. If we're new at this, so let us know in the comments if we can do anything better. Uh, but anyways, today's guest is Toe King. He's the creator of the MTF Field Codes, as well as the creator of the uh, Foundation After Midnight podcast, which basically is very similar in to tone to Welcome to Night Vale, and it basically chronicles the day-to-day events of an SCP facility through the premise of a workplace uh, radio show. So anyways, I hope you guys like it, and thanks for listening. Bye. You know, starting off, we got Toad King, Eric Stover. Um, you're actually the first SCP person I've met, like, in the flesh, in person. Yeah. It's a kind of surreal, surreal experience. And as I said, you're one of the select few. I've got, I think, maybe maybe three people now who I've met in person from the SCP community. But like, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, it's I'm just curious meeting people in person offline. Who've uh, who have you met like so far? Um, so Drew Bear. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was in. I was visiting a friend of mine, and I happened to like tweet that I was in his city, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you want to meet up?" And I'm like, "All right, I can do this." That's cool. Um, because especially like a staff person, like I'm more, like people who are more established in the community, I'm a little bit more comfortable meeting up with people like that. Yeah. Like I've tweeted out like I'm at a, this convention or that convention, but no one ever finds me because I'm just kind of wandering around. Um, there was another staff member, I forget her name, connected with me off of Twitter because she thought I was in New York. So, and then you guys, we met up at the Patreon. Um, yeah. What was it? It was like a, yeah, it was, it was like a, I think it was meant to be like networking or something. Yeah. Yeah. I got a nice hoodie out of it, <laughs> so still yeah, yeah. work. I've got like a notebook from that or something. Oh, and I, I do want to give a quick shout out to your kick-ass pins. This is not like a sponsored thing. I generally oh, this camera. Uh, I love these pins. Like this is like pure metal. It's not. It's not like some crappy, shitty little thing. I've been. I've worn a couple times. No one has yet put out a comment. I sadly haven't caught an SCP fan in the wild. At least with the pin. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I kind of really enjoy making the pins and the, the t shirts and stuff I sell because I love the idea of it getting out there more in the world. Like, there's so many fans, but you don't, you know, you can't tell somebody's a fan of something unless they're wearing some swag of it. Yeah. So, like, you know, I've got my pins I sell. Uh, I one time had a kid come into my day job and he saw the sticker I had on my water bottle, which was the, uh, Unkill the Lizard softball mm-hmm. team logo I had. Yeah, yeah. He's like, ah, SCP-682, yeah. And I'm like, SCP. <laughs> and I'm like, do, do you know the FAM radio podcast? He's like, what's that? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, cool. so I, I feel like that one. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, what's for one foundry? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you know Volgan? <laughs> That's like the first thing I usually hear. <laughs> I still get people who like comment on like my you know, one of the episodes, and we'll be like, have you heard about Lord Bung? Yeah. Is this guy making SCP animations? You should join up with it. I'm like... It's not It's not like yes, he's never been that. in an episode or anything. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. You need, you need to listen a little longer, kid. Yeah. You'll recognize something. That was actually, yeah, so, I mean, that's one of my questions, but, like, how'd, that, how'd you make that happen? How'd you get in touch with uh, Bung? Yeah, I mean, I've wanted to, like, work with a lot of the SCP community for a while, but it's just kind of like there's my podcast coming out so infrequently, but also just like so often the, the episode is just kind of like talking about news happening, mm-hmm. you know, so there aren't always a lot of parts to be filled. Um, 
you know, but I had reached out to him and I definitely was like, okay, well, Connor is like an established character, you know, like, like for the Vulcan, I'd have to like figure out a character for him to play. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm not saying that's, you know, easier or harder. I'm just saying like, you know, I got to figure that out. But for uh, Lord Bung, I was like, okay, well, Connor is clearly going to have to be in an episode somehow. And he's clearly going to just like pop in as himself. You know, I practically felt like I almost didn't need to like name him because most of the fans know that character. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, to me, it's real cool. I mean, so uh, for people who don't know about your podcast, how would you kind of explain it? Foundation After Midnight Radio is a uh, radio broadcast from within the foundation, kind of for personnel, by personnel. Um, kind of my running kind of theme with it all is that uh, if you're someone who works with like nightmares, monstrosities, and horrors day in and day out eventually that just becomes like another monday it just becomes yeah. a lot of paperwork um you know so, so dj skip will will broadcast about how there's a time anomaly so this week like wednesday is canceled please skip white from tuesday to thursday uh he'll talk about you know the sun disappearing and the world <laughs> ending and he won't even bat an eye yeah uh, um, i had someone actually write uh a uh, for, for the christmas gift exchange they did a little short story involved in DJ Skip and they actually worked in an SCP that's some sort of virus that makes you unable to express negative emotions hmm. and they had it that DJ Skip had that and I really loved it uh, the only problem is there's no cure for that one like you just die and I'm like well <laughs> uh... I'm not sure I can use this but yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a fun um, explanation of why he's always so damn chipper it kind of it kind of reminds me of like those like like Kingsmen where you get these like super calm like casual like agents who are just like facing these horrible like intense situations. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I figure it's something you're you get used to, you know. Like yeah. any any job, like the even the coolest job, eventually you're just like, eh, it's another day of working, you know, whatever. Well, I like you had that bit uh, of like these researchers who are like, oh, you want to join our, our uh, I think you called like S&B instead of like D&D. &D. Yeah. It's like, oh, we live like normal suburban lives and like work a job and have to pay mortgages. I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. Well, I, I, like I, and that stuff, like uh, the thing I love about the SCP Foundation is just like it's such a collaborative effort. Like everyone's mixing and matching and building off each other's words and worlds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I always find with my art, I I heavily, you know, lean on on kind of established tropes or stories and love to kind of subvert them and twist them and, and play around with them. Uh, and so stuff like that, you know, like I've seen so much artwork of like D&D, &D, but it's like a dragon, a skeleton, and like a goblin playing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, your human's like late for work. What does he do? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what, if, what if the Foundation agents were like that? You know, they just wanted to play like normal life pretend everything was just about mortgages or whatever yeah no i like that i mean i also um early on you just get the whole like throw a 682 into the sun because i hear it so much yeah. like all the time <laughs> so it's cool to like see how like you imagined how that would play out oh yeah yeah that was uh a fun little story i tell i joked to a lot of people that we started off with our first story arc being just like the world ending because they throw everything into the sun. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, after that, you kind of, it's kind of everything's a little smaller, a little, a little less dramatic, but it still works. Yeah, no, it does, yeah. Um, so you've said this before, but it's pretty obvious, uh, Welcome to Night Vale is like a pretty big influence. Um, yeah. What's like 
the process that kind of goes into this podcast because it seems like it's definitely not a super quick easy thing like this where i just turn on a camera and, and start talking to people uh, yeah um it's i'm definitely envious of, of people who have uh podcasts or series where they they kind of just sit, sit down talk do a quick edit through for like any kind of you know weird sound bites or whatever and, and post it yeah uh, i also uh like my production is like super slowed down just because it's like me kind of working on it and i've uh I, I definitely burnt myself out like in 2018 mm, trying yeah. to like post like videos every week on my youtube channel and then i realized like it just wasn't worth like the mental strain mm -hmm. for me to like push those deadlines and i still want i still need deadlines to like get things done in some sort of timely fashion uh but i'm a lot more lax and just like you know if it happens it happens and i i want to keep making the series so i'm going to keep working on it. um i've got like a, a brief kind of story arc overarching story arc and like direction i want to go with things but uh every episode is kind of just like starts with a seed of an idea of what's going to happen mm -hmm. and i write out stuff and I've, I've got a whole like master farm document where i write out like oh here's a announcement from somebody else's tail and here's uh like a funny scp that would be hilarious to talk to and like yeah. there's little little things there and some of them are like really like really just like bare bones is like oh it'd be really funny to have um you know the the scb that's the uh, the dream goat uh, i think it's like 25 76 or something like that um yeah. i've done some art of it I've, I've commissioned some art of it but it's just this little like dream goat that's like rainbow colored and oh i think like i've seen that yeah i saw your drawing rich god yeah. being that got trapped mm -hmm. in goat form and he's kind of bitter yeah. about it but he's apparently like accepted he's a goat yeah. Uh, so there's like something like that. Where I'm like, it'd be fun to have in, but I gotta like figure out how I'm gonna work it in. Mm -hmm. And then there's other stuff that's just like, oh, here's in someone's tale, they literally mentioned, oh, we're having a game night. Everyone needs to bring food. And I'm like, great. That's almost, you know, I can almost take that word for word. Yeah. Build off it a little bit, but it's like a prepackaged kind of fit, fits with what I'm trying to do here with the podcast and the announcement. Uh, speaking of like those little announcements that you have in the podcast. I'm sure you know you're you know about Doom, um, especially the last two games, but yeah. they literally remind me so much of those like hilarious corporate announcements that they have while you're playing uh, Doom. I'm like, this is like literally. I love that it's like, oh, cool, we have like an SCP version of that. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, was, uh, I definitely yeah played the Doom games the last few games too, especially. Guys, yeah, I, I still need to play Eternal. My friend just got it, you know, summer sales on. But Eternal is fine. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Uh, so I think this is the mo we ask this. This is like the question we ask everyone on the podcast. But like, what got you into uh, SCP? Like, how'd you find it? Um, what'd you think of it? Yeah, yeah. I think you hated um, it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a labor of hate. I I only make my content just to spite. People. Yes. Mm, yeah. Fuels me inside. Um, no. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was. The year after I graduated college, I was living with my aunt. I had a lot of free time because I was job hunting during the day and just mm -hmm. kind of kicking around her place at night. Uh, and one night, I, I'm not even like big on Reddit. I don't go on Reddit all that much, but I was on Reddit and someone was posting like creepy photos. And they said, is this SCP-096? <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But it was. I looked at it, clicked on it. It was some video or GIF of like um, 
it was it's from some movie where these people like trying to investigate like a haunted house. Oh yes, I've seen this mm -hmm. thing and like the ghoul yeah. things are running at them, and it does look kind of like it does, yeah. Inside SCP-96 looks like, but it, I was like, what? This is mind-boggling. I gotta like see what they're talking about now. So I, that was my first one. Is SCP-096. Read that article and then next, you know, spent the next three days clicking, you know, link after link after link, just you know, like TV tropes, just lost in the links. That's cool. Yeah, literally, I think every single person we've asked has had a different way they got into the uh, SCP universe, which is yeah, kind of cool. Well, it's it's definitely cool with how big the foundation has grown and mm -hmm. how it's, you know, like like if someone says like, how do you get into how did you get into Star Wars? Yeah, it's like usually it's like you know you started with you know these specific movies, but maybe you you know your your dad got you into it, or maybe you saw these ones first. Not a yeah. Thing. But like if someone says, "Oh, where did you like get into like, uh, like I don't know, like uh, like Gravity Falls or not mm. Gravity Falls? That's a one season show. <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> someone says Supernatural, you usually say like, "Oh, I started at the beginning. You mm -hmm. know, my friend showed me it or something like that." You, there's a progressive, you know, the story progresses from a certain point. You follow it from there. Yeah. But with the foundation, you can jump in at any number of different points. Some people find us through, you know, Markiplier or somebody yeah. playing the game. Somebody, mm -hmm. you know, like me finds it through like a gift or a recommendation. Some people, you know, find the podcast. I, I had some people buy off my shop and be like, oh, I, I just found out about your, like, you know, because some of my, some of my pins and stuff are, are not specifically SCP or mm -hmm. like they're, you know, adjacent. Yeah. Uh, so it has to be like, oh, I checked out your podcast now. What what, what is this foundation thing? I'm like, oh, oh okay, that's cool. You know, so yeah, I think that's very cool. Just how anybody can kind of come in and find the foundation in so many different ways, and yeah, we've all kind of got our own little different headcan. And also the fact that it's been around for like ten years now is just insane. Um, yeah. Like most, I feel like most things kind of die out after like three, four, five years. Um, like internet related things at least um yeah like it's well, well i'd say i don't know maybe that's the cynicist in me speaking because there's definitely a more than SV isn't the only long-standing like internet uh community-based thing out there but uh yeah but I, th I think certain things have like a fever pitch and i think foundation is still kind of like on the rise mm -hmm. um but also i i've been around long enough i mean i got you know I, when i found the scp foundation that was like summer of 2013. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but like even in, in my time being in the foundation fandom, I've seen artists and YouTubers and people come and go. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, people kind of just quietly fade away. And sometimes yeah. they, you know, make a big announcement like, I am no longer, you know, <laughs> going to be reading SCP or I'm no mm -hmm. longer going to be drawing SCP stuff. Um, and they've got their reasons. And I, you know, I don't blame them for it, but I find it interesting because i've never been like really embedded in any sort of fandom mm -hmm. kind of like that kind of stuff and i feel like some people especially like younger people on the internet get very uh just like really caught up in their in their fandom in like their art or whatever yeah and then like to, to you know they, they kind of have to dramatically leave it mm -hmm. and for me like i'm a pokemon fan i'm a halo fan but also like i haven't bought a halo game in several years i haven't played a pokemon game and a few generations of pokemon now like yeah i don't know like for me i i'm a fan of you know a lot of series you know doctor who and pokemon mm -hmm. and, and halo and you know stuff like that 
but some of those like I haven't actually really interacted with like the fandom or the or the media or the games or whatever with it for like a while but I still would consider myself like a Pokemon fan mm-hmm. like Pokemon Go came out I went I was like super excited about that you know was out there playing Pokemon Go for that summer <laughs> uh, you know if, if, a, if a new Halo game came out I'd be tempted to try to play it if I could get like you know get it on PC or something like that but but it just for me I guess it's like it's like I think a lot of young people get very caught up in their in their fandoms and mm-hmm. they kind of burn themselves out of it, especially when you get caught up in the drama and the changes and the weird kind of generations that happen sometimes in those kind of fandoms, yeah. those like layers of like the new, the first wave of fans and the new waves and the younger waves and such. And, and I find it just odd, I guess for me, like I'm always going to be an SCP fan and mm-hmm. maybe I'll stop making my podcast someday, but I don't ever think I'll ever be like, oh, never mind. Well, that was all just behind What's so weird about the SP Foundation is that, you know, there's so many different authors, there's so many different creators attributing like, because like one of my first big fandoms I ever got to when I was like middle school was Homestuck. And that was, you know, and that's just like, it's infamous for like how bad the fandom got, but like that was always just one guy making a thing online. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's, I guess what makes, that's SP's edge in that sense is it's almost always fresh because like each series is has its own theme. It's like kind of got a completely different feel than all the past series. Um, I mean like the wiki staff does an awesome job like making sure that the same stories aren't being written over and over and over again. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and even if an author like just like disappears or if they decide, oh, I don't want to write anymore. DJ Cactus? <laughs> <laughs> I don't touch DJ Cactus. No, it's just a, it's, I feel like it's a meme at this point. He's just like, I'm gone forever, and then comes back. I mean, again, like, well, again, with the whole fandom stuff, like, you know, yeah. like, there's been other, you know, people who have, you know, joined staff, left staff, left for good reasons, bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had somebody message me to be like, I am no longer part of the SCP fandom, uh, except for you. I'm really, you know, I'm not in track of anything anymore. And I'm like, okay. I, I see the drama you're talking about. I don't know that reflects the entire staff and the entire fandom. I don't think that's fair, but I don't know. Again, like I'm kind of on the, the edge of stuff constantly. I feel like I see drama going across my Twitter feed and, and the SCP fandom, and I'm like, what? Where'd this come from? I actually, okay. maybe it's just because I'm not on Twitter. I've, I've avoided so much drama. Like, I really barely see any. Um, nothing like fandom wise, I guess. But I'm, I'm basically just on YouTube. And like Instagram, and I've seen like yeah. very very little. I saw a little, I guess, drama on Instagram, but it was never like. It was just like little squabblings between in, uh, SCB Instagram pages, and like that's yeah, like, yeah, like my yeah. little fan and meme pages, just like squabbling about stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, um, it's uh, I don't know. It's definitely odd. Like I've seen just a lot of like 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 meme, you know, Instagrams pop up, and I can tell. That are, the SCP fandom is a lot of younger kids. Mm-hmm. You know the polling, the the, um, the fandom survey thing they do every year. Like they've got the data. Like you know, there's a lot of younger kids there, but there's also like a lot of us older, and we're all getting. I think the whole fandom's getting a little bit older and maturing. Yeah. And, um, especially with the latest move of like changing the sign up age to 18 or whatever. But yeah, that's SCP politics. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. <laughs> I mean that's not like politics politics that's still related to the uh the page but I'm sure I mean I'm sure everyone's heard about this now like Sumerians talked about it so much like 
Anyways, yeah, I got one of Sumerian's uh, mugs. Is you're wrong about this mug. Yeah. Um, trying to expand my SCP merch. Try to support some, you know, of us fellow indie small artists. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I uh, I think Bong did a really good job with the artwork for that. I like that. Yeah. The uh, that rendition. Um, well. I was gonna say, I, I like seeing people putting their artwork out there and, and working together on stuff like that. And again, like, it's like, I think it's important to kind of, for A, it's important for artists to get paid. Yeah. B, like, I think it's really cool that there's SE merchandise out there, like stuff you can use to support us, rep your favorite, you know, SCPs or authors or writers or readers or whatever. Um, you know, because a few years ago, none, there was nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and as much as there's complications and like kind of like weirds ins and outs of that kind of stuff, um, I don't know. It's very cool to see what people are putting out there and what's available. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I mean, we might be releasing merch this year. Do it. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of ideas, and uh, I know one of my artist friends. He's like, yeah, I'm, I can totally drop those posters, yada yada. So we're, we're figuring it out, but it'll be cool. it's a little intimidating, I will say, because it's like my whole thing is like. Who do I get my sources from? There's like a lot of like research and that I'm still yeah. digging through, but yeah. Well, and especially like design side of things, like for me, I really want to try to. I like making designs that like look good outside of just like, do you like this? Yes. You know, what this mm -hmm. or not? You know? Exactly. Because uh, it's been like, especially for like YouTubers and streamers and stuff like that. I've seen them put out not not specifically SCP ones, but yeah. just like streamers in general is a huge umbrella term. I've seen people be like, oh, support me, buy my T-shirt, and I'll look, and it'll be something on Teespring, and it's just the butt-ugliest, <laughs> like, his logo, mm -hmm. this crazy color with this terrible exactly. font. And I'm like, I guess if you like this guy, you get this, but, like, no everyone, no one's going to look at the shirt and be like, that's cool. Yeah. And, like, for me, I've got some T-shirts and prints and stuff I have where, like, I have no clue what it's about, but I love the design so much, I, I will buy it, I'll rep it. I'll wear it around. Like uh, one person, I don't watch him, but I love his merch is Elvis the Alien. Um, huh. Like he, he gets really, and it has nothing to do with his content, but uh, he just makes these really uh, cool like alien and like alternate like comic book-esque designs on his, um, all of his merch. Um, I'm just like, cool. I like that a lot because you've talked about it already, but like I love the idea of like, I don't know, like one of my friends who knows nothing about SCB coming into my room and like, oh, that's a cool po poster. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, like they, they don't need to know the background of it to just appreciate it. Well, that's uh, <laughs> I actually one of my favorite pieces I've done is like um, I made an SCP front called uh, it's like SCP Foundation, scaffolding, construction, plumbing. We work in the dark so you can live in the light. And the logo is the SCP logo, but instead of the arrows going in, mm -hmm. it's like a wrench, a hammer, and like a... Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And to me, I love that because it's subtle, and like an SCP fan would spot that a mile away. Yeah. But someone who doesn't know SCP would be like, oh, I guess it's a construction monkey guy, probably something just like mm -hmm. free. Um, and again, like, I think that's also fun for like, bumper stickers or mugs or a t-shirt that's kind of like subtle references but yeah. not like screaming in your face i think like uh, i think valve did a pretty good job with that like i literally have a half-life poster there that's literally just yeah. like um you know i have video i can show you all 
Oh god, wait, front camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making everyone uh, motion sick. Oh god. Oh wait, wrong side yeah. of my... Oh, front camera. Oh my god, my brain's like having a hard time right now. <laughs> but anyway, there, there's your uh, my Half-Life poster. Ah, uh, there uh, you go. With dog. But I've had uh, people walk into the room, they're like, oh, it's a cool poster. And like, they've never heard of Half-Life or Valve or anything like that before. Yeah, I've got uh, my wall um, let's see with the camera yeah i've got a journey post oh that's awesome that's i love that just because that's such a nice it's such a like really lovely piece but it also is like video game art like yeah know, uh I, I definitely have had exes where like if i told her i was gonna put up like video game art she'd be like mm, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> exactly like, beautiful we'll mm-hmm. frame that and like that's that, like that's a nice mix I like. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like even with my videos, um, I like to have it. I mean, I can't do it for every video, but at least I like to have some videos where like my mom could watch it and she gets it. Like she doesn't have to know SCP. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to know every little thing. Um, but it also is fun to have like the recurring inside jokes and all that stuff kind of mixed in. Yeah. Well, I know. Uh... I think that was the thing that like Lord Bung really did well when mm-hmm. he came with the combinement series. Yeah. Is going like the comments of that, there's all sorts of people saying, I don't know what this is about, mm-hmm. but I love it. Um and like I know with FAM radio, and part of it's because, you know, it's an audio drama, so there's no visual element to it all. Yeah. But we, we ran into a, a pitfall in the beginning of the series where we referenced a lot of SCP numbers. Mm-hmm. And some of them are very, very big ones, like, you know, SCP-682, where most of the fandom knows that number, but anybody else has no fucking clue what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and so I've had to kind of go back and, like, not go back, but, like, you know, moving forward, make the effort to be, okay, we're going to talk about an SCP, I'm going to drop the number, but I also need to describe physically what it is and somehow make that work with this statement and not be this huge you know, board vomit. Yeah. Uh, because some of the, some of the CPs you can condense to like a very quick, you know, sentence or two and others are kind of like, well, this is a lot. Yeah. It's like, Oh, let me just explain a whole dimension, uh, real quick. You know, some shit like that. I was going to say this, there's even some SCPs that like I've had, like, I don't understand still. Like there's yeah. one that's like, it's like, I, I just, no, no, I'm not going to try to explain it. I don't <laughs> know how it works. Um, to- Toad King for 10 minutes tries to explain something. <laughs> something that he doesn't understand. That he doesn't understand. Yeah. And I will try so damn hard. Oh, but I mean, so like, what are your big inspirations other than SCP that you kind of pull in creatively? Yeah. Um, so again, you know, the one that inspired me, and I, I, I use inspired in the, in the, Nicest way possible. Yeah. You could probably make an argument that I just stole, you know, or or, or ripped off. Spin uh, off. From yeah. Uh, but also, to be fair, like, you know, they weren't the first radio drama, and there's plenty, plenty of ones out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listening to that, I was like, I, I, I found that podcast, and I found SCP, and it just was like chocolate and peanut butter just made sense to put these together and kind of make my own thing uh, and run with it. And so Welcome to Night Vale is a series that I've really loved. Um, it definitely gets a little quirky, a little too quirky for its own good sometimes, just like yeah. getting real, real weird, but I still love it. And I also really love like what the the guys behind it have done, mm. you know, because they did a podcast, but then they like started taking it on the, on the road and they did live shows. 
like they they started you know trying to do different kind of formats and and do, you know they've got episodes where it's just like characters doing monologues hmm. and they've got characters that evolved as like a one-off kind of joke once that now are like reoccurring characters that have become very important um the characters have you know loved and lost and changed and grown and i think a few of them even died well, the characters oh, wow. anyways the actors yeah no i'd hope not <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but now they're like doing books and stuff like that. And so for me, like as a as a creative, as an artist, they're really inspiring. Just like everything they're doing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes, like when you, when I talk about what I'm trying to do or what I want to do with you know my podcast or, or online stuff, like some people just don't get it. They don't see the vision. They don't see you know. Like I was I was talking to a date the other a few months back, and she was like, "So is there like?" money in podcast <laughs> not really but the hope is to like use this to kind of fluff up my portfolio mm-hmm. you know get some experience with producing online content and that's that's a bit more lucrative a field that i can get into over like yeah. me just shipping away the podcast by myself for um let's see um i don't know i mean uh I've always liked stories that have like unre- unreliable narrators or like mm. kind of weird uh, sci-fi stories and fantasy that kind of explores like what ifs and, and strangeness. But but I'm always drawn towards like the the mundane aspects of, of craziness. Yeah. Of strangeness. Uh, so like for example, uh, another story, the, uh, like a story I've kicked around for like a while now is like exploring the superhero, a, a superhero world. So mm-hmm. kind of like the Avengers, where the superheroes are, you know, running all over the place, you know, Marvel, DC, just mash them all up. And instead of, you know, just following the grand adventures of, you know, Spider-Man and Iron Star, uh, Iron Star, Tony Stark, <laughs> and, uh, Iron Star uh, it would be, I always think it's fun to kind of explore, like, well, what happens on a superhero's day off? Yeah. Or like, what happens when a superhero has to go to the superhero tailor to get his suit repaired? And when you have like a bulletproof suit or whatever, you know, how do you how do you get that repaired by a guy, you know, uh, when you have no budget because you live with your your aunt. Your aunt. Kick-Ass kind of went into that a little bit. I remember that. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and I, there's, you know, again, there's so much fun, I think, to be had at being like, okay, if this was real, what would be the, the nitty gritty almost the, and not the nitty, I hate like, I hate nitty gritty when stories like, oh, this story's real dark. Yeah. And all they mean is like every other character's on a drug or cheating or just like a terrible, horrible asshole. And like for me, it's like people are flawed, but I don't think most people are terrible. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of fun to be had of exploring the more mundane aspects of like the weirdness of. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I'm not sure if it's a comic, but it's about like the uh, superhero cleanup crew. And it's just yeah. about them like cleaning up after every destruction or every like big fight. Um, yeah. yeah. Do that. Um, they, the video game that came out where like you play as like the, the janitor in like a secret lab after all the scientists oh yeah I like that that's cool you're just like you're just like mopping up blood and like picking up body parts and bringing them over or something like it's super weird that kind of reminds me uh, it's not out yet but uh, I can't remember his name but he's making that name Josie um, literally about yeah. the Hefcat and I feel like that's probably going to have a very similar kind of tone which will be cool I'm looking yeah. forward to that well that's yeah, that's definitely what I'm all about with like FAM radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I kind of want to bring to my next SCP podcast 
which I've been trying to kick around for a while. The only problem is just like I can barely get one podcast going. Getting a second one's probably stupid, <laughs> but also there's a reason I don't plan these things out. Yeah, just go for it. Uh, but also, like, I want to change things up. I want to start working with more people and, mm-hmm. and stop trying to do everything by myself. So I've got, like, I had a plan for this year, making this podcast, new podcast happen, and then, like, 2020 happened. Yeah. The way it did. Tell me about so, it. So, you know, those, those plans are kind of kind of on hold right now. So. Same. And we, like, we have, uh, we were supposed to do a container breach film. And that's literally set back. It's on hiatus till this comes down. Who knows when. Yeah. So, and that it's that's been the weird thing is like trying to figure out, you know, what when do we get back to normal? If we get back to normal, what do things yeah. look like after this? Um, you know, like I I I need to order new pin designs for winter. Hmm. Uh, I need to get that going now. But I also wasn't sure, you know, like if it would be safe to order from, you know, my manufacturers or yeah. how long that would take. Um, Are they even still running, or were they also shut down for a while? So yeah, for a while they shut down. Yeah, uh, I actually had a bunch of orders on my shop uh, because I've got some print-on-demand items. Like the T-shirts mm-hmm. uh, are all fulfilled by a service, and, and that service will print the stuff and ship it for me. Mm. Um, the pins I have, like all the stock myself, and I ship it out. But the shirts, for like a few, for a good few weeks, if not a month or so, the sh- productions were just dead, just mm. waiting. And then they slowly opened things up and they and they figured out a way to like, I guess, you know, fulfill the orders while still being safe and clean, but it delayed the process by a lot. So all the new orders that come in for shirts uh, are like, you know, you order it January, like not January, you order it June 1st, you're going to get it shipped out July 1st, basically, like mm. the whole month. Later. Yikes. Uh, and I had to eat, message a lot of people and ask, you know, hey, like, is it? are you cool with this? And a few people are like, nah, I wanted this by a, birth, by a certain date. Uh, but other people, most people were understandable, understanding or, you know, compromise. Like, oh, you know, I'll trade for this other item. Oh, okay. Uh, That's interesting. But uh, the pins should probably be back on on track. Uh, but it's, you know, international shipping and stuff has been foobard just. Yeah. We've got I'm, I, I'm still waiting on an Akira book I, I ordered like three months ago. <laughs> well, I, I, so. My roommate ordered a bunch of stuff at the beginning of this, and uh-huh. over the next three months, we all got we got his packages at random, it felt like, you know? Yeah. So, like, you know, some cleaning supplies or, or something he ordered at the start of this that seemed very important, we wouldn't get for like one month, two months, three months. And sometimes it was after the fact, and he's like, I don't need this anymore but okay great yeah i mean that's thankfully i mean we literally live miles away from each other but where i live things are slowly opening up um definitely not going back to normal but it seems like things are kind of getting like you know like restaurants are open now again and it's like slowly daily life's kind of crawling back but uh yeah it's uh things are opening up here and it's been strange seeing people out, you know, going to restaurants and bars and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm optimistic, but I'm still really kind of concerned that we're a little too quick to get back into yeah. things. I also am, like, really nervous about, like, that the people who might be the first ones to go back to the bars and restaurants stuff are maybe the people who aren't being as safe as the rest of us mm-hmm. are. And then, But then the fact that we'll see them 
you know, out having fun and maybe you get invited by a friend or somebody and now you're, now you're tempted, you're on the fence, yeah. you know, and that's mm-hmm. gonna like slip and drag other people into it. You know, the, the FOMO is real. Yeah. Big time. Especially, you know, July 4th coming up. You got like, that's like the big summer holiday. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, and especially like in New York city, there's, I like, I like, I don't know. It, it, the whole thing's been weird just because like we all were dealing with bullshit before all this. We yeah. all had, you know, issues with work and relationships and family and, and life and such. And then, you know, world pandemic happened and everything got stressed and terrible. And then we kind of gave collectively said, hey, everyone gets a pass. Like, you don't got to mm-hmm. be productive. You don't got to learn a new skill. Just like live your life. You know, here's some unemployment money. Um, and I feel like I was just finally got getting comfortable and like good with my day to day. And now things are opening up and it's like, oh shit, you know, like is unemployment going to end? Mm-hmm. Should be going out there now? It's yeah. It's like, even though I don't think it's safe to be going out, like I still want to be going out there, but I don't want to go out there, but I don't want to miss out on things. <laughs> I feel you on that. I mean, it must be really rough for you. Cause you know, you're like in a small apartment in New York city you can't like just hang out in your backyard or something yeah yeah uh for better or worse i can look over my downstairs neighbor's backyard he's got a little green back there i, I don't i haven't stepped foot in it you know but I, yeah i sit out in my fire escape and, and look down at him and had a nice talk one time <laughs> <laughs> wow see everyone's coming closer together it's the silver yeah. lining this is the disney movie Only ending yeah and now I, i've met all my neighbors uh, at least in my building, upstairs and downstairs, I finally met him. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> L- the we're the gonna, little things. We're gonna try to hang out after all this. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I like that. How about like a, a potluck or something? Yeah, something. You know, he's got a grill downstairs. Again, he's got a nice little backyard, and he's the kind of person that's like, he's been working real hard at this backyard, so he's got nice like, plants, a little little path that walks through it. You know. Oh, nice. That's he's got cool. Some trees he planted. Cause uh, I, I've been, no, I was gonna say I've been to Queens and like you get these like barren cement like awful backgrounds. I mean, uh, backyards. Like, I'm, I'm, it's nice yeah. that he's put work into it. In in contrast, our our neighbor just like over the fence from him, uh, they had it was just stone and concrete, and then since they went away, they went upstate or something like that to to hide out. Yeah. Uh, I've watched their yard just be overrun with. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So it's just like this massive, unruly jungle has sprung up in their yard, and then his yard's like nice. <laughs> you're, seeing, you're seeing the uh, desecration of New York City falling back to nature. Yeah. I'm thinking of Last of Us now, because like that's like the whole thing is like you get to see these giant cities basically turn into like these giant wildlife preserves, basically, which is kind of fun. Yeah. But uh. I, I mean, nature is already frosted. Like the second we, mankind like dips, like nature's taken back over. Yeah, I mean, I've been like hearing these weird stories of like dolphins coming up to like the shores of like docks with gifts because they like miss human contact. This is in Venice actually because they were so used to tourists feeding them constantly all the time. Yeah. So there's like these weird kind of relationships you don't think about that humans have with animals, and then we just disappear one day, and they're just like, what happened? Yeah, I mean. Oh, I'm almost sure the rat wars. I'm sure you've, you, yeah, come on. You're, you're, you're in the center of it. Yeah. In the New York subway coming up because there's no garbage down there to eat. Yeah. Have you, do you, rats got to still feed his family. 
Did you, do you have any rat stories? No. No? no okay, that's a good thing. Really. <laughs> I, mean, I, guess, I guess I can contribute a rat story. Uh, my, my neighbor, like, is it cleaned up his yard? Uh, but he's been having, he's having rats and like running around, mm-hmm. uh, apparently like real big ones. So he set some traps, uh, and he's clean, killed them out. It sounds like, but it's kind of tough cause like the backyard's kind of enclosed. Like there's buildings on all sides, but there's like three separate yards. Yeah. You know, so, like we're kind of close up from the rest of the, the city or area more or less, but like he's only in control of his one section. And like the person on either side of him, you know, he can't really control what they're doing. Yeah. So like rats kept coming over from the yard that wasn't really kept. Um. But uh, I, I'm I'm on the second floor and I don't I don't see these rats. Okay, that's uh, nice at least. He'd be a little annoyed at me because I had a, I bought a bird feeder and I put it out my window and that was nice for a week and then the birds were birds are stupid. <laughs> uh, they were just knocking bird seed everywhere and he was like, uh, could you not put that out? Seeds are getting everywhere, and the rats are coming in. My God, man, yeah, that's rough. Because normally you think, oh, the squirrels, no rats. Yeah. Mm. Well, the squir- squirrels are cute, but like they're yeah. basically just rats with fucking tails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is a little like old story. Like my grandpa basically used to be a plumber, and he used to go into these like old, old apartment buildings and replace like boilers and everything. And one time he went in, and my dad was helping him out, and they were tearing down a wall. And literally a flood, it's not exaggerated, hundreds of rats came pouring out and like rushed. And they literally just like ran out of there. Like. Gross. So. I mean, yeah, anytime there's like like a swarm of something like that, they marish. No, I mean, have you read uh, Rats on the Walls? It's an old Lovecraft story. No, I don't think so. If you're you're in a really ratty mood, you uh, you should read that one. That one's really good. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that one in mind. Yeah, I, I, I get. Rats in the Walls makes me think of the one SCP that's like, it's like some sort of fleshy thing that, like, grabs other things. But like, there's like feral cats that it, it's infected or something like that. And it's like mm. this mass of like feral cats that are like infected with this thing. I, I don't know if it's like a hive mind or if they're physically connected to each other or something like that. It sounds familiar. It's. Yeah, it's it's not the hesh, the the flesh that hits. yeah, um, it's but it's like specifically about these cats. This like old woman died in the house, and like the cats are infected and or you know growing into some massive form, and you know some MTF poor souls try to you know get them out of there and then huh. like attack them. Um, very like the thing vibes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Very very the thing. Some fleshy, maybe think of like the rat. You ever heard of like what a rat king is? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, rat king being, I can't. I guess it's. I guess it's just something that like happened naturally, mm-hmm. but just like rats becoming entangled with each other via their tail. Yeah, you know whether it's like mudge or shit or or, you know maybe they get tied or or caught on something, but they they end up entangled so they're all. You know, that attached to the tail, and so it's like a swarm of rats kind of running and fighting together, mm-hmm. and just being a terrible, gross thing. And apparently, that's a historically, you know, that happened, uh, or these people have recorded it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think specifically in like German folklore, there's a bunch of stories about it being like a bad omen. Um, yeah. Kind of some interesting. I, that's where I found about it. Um, yeah. 
because I love when there's kind of like this weird mythological tone to something like a natural phenomena. Yeah, well, especially if it's something that like again like can actually kind of happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would be very unsettling to like see that. You yeah. know, in like real life. Um, I think of the similarly with like, you know, uh, you know, an albino raven or something like that, some sort of animal with a deformity. You know, there's been there was some news article about some village in India where yeah, there's you know, some sheep born that looked very human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, the, the people were more superstitious than scientific about it, so they were like, well, clearly someone's been fucking this sheep. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, looking at it, that you know, logically that would looks like it could make sense, but like it's obviously I, I... not. I recently showed my sister the uh, the 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 goat with a human face, and it was just like terrifying her with it. Um, but yeah, I know with that specific case, they thought it was like a descendant of like a Hindu god, so that's why um, they revered it so much. Um, which is kind of interesting. This is the difference. Of, I loved like before SCP. I love cryptid stuff. Yes. Yeah. Bigfoot, mm-hmm. Mothman, Jersey Devil. Um, a lot of the cooler, more niche ones, I don't remember their names anymore, you know, but, uh, you know, I used to watch that stuff on Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. you know, The Hunt for Nessie, you know, these TV shows. Um, I still remember, like, growing up, like, my growing up, like, uh, my parents would leave us, like, gifts from Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they told me, you know, Santa Claus gave us these gifts, da-da-da-da-da. I don't remember when it happened but eventually i did find out that santa claus wasn't real mm-hmm. and i remember that whatever whenever it did happen it was just such a like oh yeah okay makes sense just something my parents lied to me about these presents they bought them mm-hmm. for us okay cool but the day i realized that bigfoot probably wasn't real <laughs> because because the show talking about did we find bigfoot yeah. was on it you know, on a wednesday night at 9 p.m on a sci-fi channel and every episode was like it turns out the sound of the dog from the neighbors next you know in the, in the valley over but maybe bigfoot's still out there and i was like yeah oh shit bigfoot's not real and that that crushed my young heart <laughs> i mean if it makes that it feel better crazy. there's a they think he could have existed in the sense of like uh like ten thousand year ago, years ago there was this like mega ape that was like 20 feet tall and like massive um and some people think that's where maybe that could have come from um which is kind of interesting well, but who knows yeah I mean, that's I've, I've heard theories about you know bigfoot and, and, and nessie that they were maybe yeah something that happened that did live like way long ago or yeah the, 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 the one that started these more modern sightings with some sort of mutation or you know released you know something that got out or trapped um i but i've also heard like weirder theories about bigfoot where it's like bigfoot's not physical it's a it's an uh, energy <laughs> manifestation yeah and that's why it disappears so fast and that's where i'm like okay that's that's enough internet for today we're gonna we're gonna go back and check that's it. a fun one i've never heard that i like that a lot yeah i mean um and there's all sorts of weird stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I used to read all sorts of weird books, uh, Mysteries of Mind, Space and Time, or something like that. Mm. Um, it was just this, like, book of 
just strange, unexplainable stuff, you know, human combustion and these, you know, oh, aliens yeah. inside here, the mm -hmm. people who like, like people who were like witnesses were like, okay, that man died. Mm -hmm. But then like three years later, the man would show up and have all the memories of like that person, you know, that, that person. But they were like, no, but we, we have your body here. Like it's rotten and we can't confirm it anymore. But like, you know, and this is all like, you know, older stuff. So like, you know, a lot less uh, data and scientific fact to go off. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely like, I filled my mind with the weird possibilities of what's out there. Are you a, were you a Ripley's Believe It or Not fan? Because that's what got me into like all the cryptid stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Um, the uh, Fact or Fiction show. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a throwback. That was... Uh, that was, a, was that on a History Channel? What was that on? Uh, not, no, well, I don't think it was History Channel. Man, I, I, feel like I it barely remember it. At the same time as Ripley's, <laughs> whatever channel yeah. that was. Um... Oh, it's, it's a yeah. lot older? Maybe I'm thinking of a different show. I mean, it's... I don't know if it's a lot older, but they've had a few, like, iterations of it. Oh, okay. Um, it's the one with the with the guy from Star Trek, number the, number two, Jeff Picard. Picard's number two on the Enterprise. Oh, I actually don't there's know. There's, like, a whole... There's like a, there's, like, a meme where someone's like, if you take this guy's question... Because every, like, episode, he, like, asks you a question, like... Would you buy a car for a dollar? Mm -hmm. Like, if you ordered a pizza, would you expect it to be there in three days? <laughs> and it's like, we have these weird questions that are just like, you know, how he kind of like segues into the next weird story he tells yeah. you about. But then someone's like, oh, if you take his audio and you slow it down to like 1.5 speed, mm -hmm. it sounds like he's just a drunk guy who's asking you drunken questions. <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, have you seen Chubby Emu? Because he kind of does that with like, they're like medical stories of like, this man ate 10 Cheetos and he died. And it's like, and then he'll just have these really weird segues and like questions yeah. leading to it. Um, I mean, well, that's, you know, that's the beauty of those kind of things is this, there's natural like segues and natural like, whoa, wait a second. Like, yeah. how did that happen? Um, which, I'm you know, I'm on the, the not evil side of it but or the dark side but the bad side of the negative side is, you know that's where we get all the clickbait that's mm -hmm. like you know you'll never believe it washed up on the Venice shores here yeah it's this weird picture and you're like oh shit a new sea creature and it's like oh no it's just a dolphin that's been rotting for a few days or something oh yeah that actually reminded me were you were you in New York when the Montauk monster happened no was that the thing with the flashing lights no 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 so this is um I'll throw up a picture for people who've never heard of this. Oh, but uh, yeah, and if you want to look it up, um, but it yeah. it's this creature that washed up on the shores of Montauk Beach. People claimed it came from uh, Plum Island, which is literally a government, a secret it's island state. off of Long Island that's state I mean, owned. Or, Hold on. Oh, all right. No worries, no worries. Uh, but it's literally a uh, government owned like testing animal testing facility. That's what they say it is, um, and they. No one's allowed, only scientists and researchers are allowed on this island. And people claim that this monster came from the testing facilities of Plum Island and washed up on the shores of Montauk. And it's basically this like half rotted animal. Um, and I think maybe that's partly why I like really loved because that actually reminds me of, um, I can't remember the name of, I'm horrible at numbers, but the SCP where they have to like sacrifice a girl, a little girl, to like keep this um, like horrible uh, godlike creature at bay who people say it's. Yeah. probably the scarlet king um but i feel like that reminded me of the the montauk monster 
but more so like the Plum Island because people have always said like it's this mysterious facility that no one's allowed to that's off the coast of Long Island and it's like if SCP was real it would be on Plum Island <laughs> like <laughs> but the cool thing is they actually might be turning that into um, a preserve in a couple of years um, which is kind of cool because they it'd be curious if they kept like the facilities up and everything yeah I was gonna say I did. Uh, I did get to walk around some abandoned insane asylums on Long Island here, and that was a good. That was fun. Was um, it Kings Park? I think that's the name. Yeah. Yeah. Kings Park. Yeah. Uh, most of them are, are fenced off. You're really not supposed to kind of go into them, but a few mm-hmm. of them you can. Yeah. Still, and some of them are still like more open and cleaned up. Uh, Don't do it, years. kids. <laughs> yeah. We're not responsible. <laughs> don't don't break your thing. Uh, <laughs> The the girl the gal I was dating at the time uh, she was she claimed to be very sensitive to spirits and mm-hmm. and uh, you know claimed to have ghosts uh, deceased people who were you know she could see or that would watch over her mm. we went there and there's a few times where she was like I don't like the energy we gotta get out of here uh, and then like we left and she's like okay I don't want to freak you out but like something's followed us home but like it seems like it's just kind of curious and it's gonna go away. That definitely freaked me out, but I, I still don't know that I believe that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've, I've never had anything totally unexplainable happen to me, and I've always kind of wanted something to happen. But also, yeah. I mean, I'm also from like a more like a, a more conservative. Like my dad's a, a pastor, mm. so like okay, I've also aware that like you don't always want to open doors to things. Yeah. Because uh, I've heard enough stories about you know, people taking the the you know the girls on tiktok taking the witch fad thing and like trying to talk to some demon and like she ends up dead five days later and it's like you know people are like ah yeah shouldn't be talking to that uh spirit because he doesn't like white people or even oh, yeah, like that's a thing that. yeah yeah that was, okay that was, actually that, was, that reminds me thing. have you heard of link so there's a lake rokonkoma on long island i'm not sure if you're familiar with it but it has yeah. Um, that actually reminds me, basically the whole thing is it's basically about this ghost that inhabits this lake. And it was actually a Native American princess who I think was drowned by like white settlers or like a white lover. I don't remember the specifics, but basically the whole rumor is that if you're a young white man or a young man in general and you swim in those waters, she'll try to take you under the waters and drown you. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, there's... That's the thing. I, I definitely believe there's weird stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, like, again, like, want to believe in Bigfoot and Nessie and spirits and stuff like that. I don't know what I believe, but I know I believe that there's stuff out there that we don't, that we don't really know. Yeah. And, uh, I like the theory that they're, like, parts of a... They're stuck in a uh, time loop. Like, it's basically... I've heard, basically, it's like a... It's almost like you're blurring, but with a parallel dimension where you're kind of just seeing, like the same time loop kind of go over and over and over again it's more of like yeah. a parallel and less of a them directly interacting with this uh well, world mean, the idea that like people are you know energy that we're giving off energy that you, a traumatic or terrible you know event can leave like a footprint or an yeah. after image kind of on an area mm-hmm. definitely interesting. i'm i'm personally terrified of uh like spirits and ghosts and all that stuff even though i'm like i consider myself pretty agnostic or i'm kind of just like no one knows in the end um but 
that's still like my biggest phobia for like for whatever reason i mean like for uh, like as a kid i used to read like some of the ripley's ghosts and demon stories and like i literally yeah. could not sleep at night like it literally <laughs> it was bad i had to sleep with the lights on yeah. well yeah i had I, I still do but you know when i was a kid i had a very active imagination and yeah you know i couldn't watch anything or read anything too scary before bed or yeah. I'd be up all night uh and i remember my mom imparted on me some advice that i've, I've kind of held on to or it's just like careful what you let into your mind because once you have like an image in mm -hmm. your head you you really can't get rid of it yeah and especially, especially as like you know more horror movies got more and more grotesque and there was like movies like hostel and human centipede and shit like that came out like a friends of mine were like oh my gosh we gotta see that it's yeah so terrible and i was like nope no nope, i don't i don't want to see that you made the right decision yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel a lot better about that um, no, but it, so you know, you do got to be careful what you expose yourself to. I, I think obviously other people got different tolerances, but for mm -hmm. me, I I prefer more of the fun side of <laughs> fantasy and weirdness. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I've definitely had some friends who go way too deep in that rabbit hole, like watching like stuff on live stream, and literally like there's like a numbness that ends up coming with that, almost like a side of trauma. I really think, you know, when you see yeah. horrible things, it's definitely gonna affect you. Yeah, it's well, and it's yeah, it is very weird when it gets to that other side of things. Like you can get numb to that kind of stuff, or feel you know, even even if you, what you're looking at on the video or the screen is like a real, a real suicide or a real murder or a real dead body or something like that, mm -hmm. it's still disconnected because you've got that screen kind of between you. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's it's like it's still. I think for a lot of people, it still is kind of translates as like fiction, mm -hmm. you know? It's like if you watch, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan, wherever there's a lot of dead bodies yeah. or, you know, people dying in there, but you know, it's fake. It's fake, it's, yeah. Uh, movie. But then if you're like actually watching like real footage from a war zone, you're kind of still filtering it through that like screen experience. And I think it still doesn't really translate over. And I think a lot of people, either either unfortunately like they they segue into thinking that's normal and fine and like it kind of is a gateway into snuff and yeah worse things or you know they don't go they don't segue but they say oh well it's probably not that bad but they really never like experience like seeing a real dead body in person and how horrifying that could be or something yeah so i mean i've always been fascinated with death growing up partially because of ghosts and partially because of all that stuff um but then I ended up visiting Italy when I got out of high school because I'm Italian American, so it was like, and I basically did like an exchange program there, um, to like visit my roots, I guess. But I ended up going to this um, monastery from like the Renaissance. I think it was from like 1600s, and what they had is the, they had all the monks' bodies embalmed and mummified, and it was like my first real real experience with like seeing like dead humans and like bones, and it's just like. It was interesting. It wasn't like scary or spooky because it, it's it was nice to know that it was on their own volition and it was like their way of like yeah. honoring God and like preserving their um, their bodies for it. Um, but it was very surreal. There's because I feel like with our culture, especially, we're so disconnected from death. Um, whereas yeah. like you know most of our history, death was at every part of your life. You know, we're lucky in that way. Yeah, yeah. we we definitely are very fortunate. 
society where death is not as common. Now, there's more people who survive, you know, very common things that used to just wipe out, you know, childbirth or yeah. flus or colds or heck, even the winter. You know, we've got medicine and food supplies and warmth on mm -hmm. demand, basically. Like, the fact that it was expected that one of your kids was, like, guaranteed to die. Like, yeah. that's insane. That some cultures, like, you don't name your kid until they're yeah. some age. Because mm -hmm. it not be worth it to get that attached to them. He's, uh, but, yeah, it's also, you know, is, I mean, that, you know, kind of branching off that in a bit. Um, that's something I find our society is very poorly. We we don't celebrate the end of things a lot. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of products and a lot of media that focuses on like youth and being young forever and hiding your wrinkles, and dyeing your hair. And, you know, a lot of our stories are about, you know, young teen rebels, and high school sweethearts who get married and, you know, these, these kind of everlasting characters that don't, change don't grow don't die etc and like i think our society needs to be better like american society i think needs to be better like accepting like hey things end and that's mm -hmm. okay things change and that's okay you'll grow old you'll grow weaker you'll grow apart whatever and like that's okay yeah so like uh do you know about bhutan it's considered like the happiest country in the world um no but it's mainly a boot i i like a lot of buddhist philosophy um that I like to apply to my own life, but they're basically a Buddhist country. And basically one of the key factors in their culture is like being aware of impermanence and that they will all grow old, get sick and die. And a lot yeah. of people, and I agree with this, I think there's a real power. If you accept or are aware of that, like knowledge, it's a lot easier, I think, to live a ha happier life. Cause it's like, there's like, it almost imbues a sense of gratitude. Cause you know, this will nothing is forever. You know, yeah, um, and it can be. Well, it can just be like I. I feel like people immediately respond like, "Oh, that's so depressing. That's so horrible." I'm like, but I don't know. I think it's what makes like things valuable, it makes things like special. Yeah. No. Well, it, it makes things special and valuable, but also it's the truth. It's the one mm -hmm. truth about everything in existence. Yeah. From, from you know the trees I'm looking out the window at to ourselves to our pets or our families our loved ones the building I'm in, you know, the cities we're in, like they all will end at some point. They're going to change and grow. And to deny that is to deny literally existing. Yeah. You know, like, and that's, it's kind of this shame. Like you look at human history, like, you know, pyramids and stuff like that. Like, you know, so many important people have tried to live beyond their life and build monuments for themselves. You know, we, we know of King Tut. Yeah. But we don't know King Tut, you know, and it's, it is a lot more powerful, I think, just to kind of accept, yeah, things are going to change and I'm not going to make it out of this alive. I mean, I really love that, uh, that poem by Shelley, um, Ozymandias, you know, he okay. here, uh, actually, let me put it up real quick. I'm going to read it because it's really short and it's one of my favorite and it's literally about this, uh, explorer who, uh, comes across these Egyptian ruins and, uh, he reads the uh, the uh, pharaoh's statement. Um, so uh, this is Ozymandias by Percy Shelley. It was written like the 1800s. It's actually Mary Shelley's husband, fun fact, the uh, author of ah. Frankenstein. Um, I met a traveler from an antique land who said, 
Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert, near them on the sand. Half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on, those, on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on a pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Hmm. Yeah. So, Breaking Bad, actually, uh, is what, <laughs> how I found out about that poem, because they have a whole episode named Ozymandias. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, like, uh, that's just one of my favorite poems, because it has to do with that whole kind of theme and that thought process. Because um, it just shows you, I mean, like, that's why I love history, period. It's just that you think your world has always been constant always existed and it's far from the truth yeah well yeah again like i i wish we were all a little bit better about that kind of stuff you know somebody mentioned at the beginning of this quarantine that that's kind of like why a lot of us are we're struggling and like mm -hmm. kind of mourning kind of you know feeling really upset it was because we had you know, kind of come to expect that tomorrow is going to happen a certain way you know and that suddenly all this happened things are not going the way any of us planned. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's a little unfair to think that, you know, it's that, it's that weird thing where, like, you, you want to live for today, but you also have to plan for tomorrow, too. So you, you kind of got to find a balance. Like yeah. Our society's not exactly built for that. Um, yeah. At least, like, for <laughs> me, whenever a conflict happens on a personal level or on a more, like, external world uh, level i always try to find like what's the positive we can take away from this like if there is a positive we can take away from this um, I, like at least yeah. for this i'm hoping that it'll help kind of reveal the things that we've been ignoring the problems we've been knowing either on a personal level or on a more external level and be like hey maybe we start handling these things you know so yeah well and yeah like i i know i personally don't believe in like fate exactly or that all things happen for like a reason exactly mm -hmm. but also i do believe that you can find good in the bad and you know i'm also speaking from like a privileged spot where like i haven't had i haven't had you know like any major trauma or loss of love yeah. or life or whatever mm -hmm. um, but also like again life is is struggle life is trouble life is a lot of ups and downs and we will lose loved ones and lose things and like while it hurts and it, it sucks and you want to avoid it as best you can if you if you let yourself kind of focus or wallow on the negative on the loss you're going to miss out on you know the life that continues and what comes out of that and and sometimes you know bad stuff happens that we can then take our experience and bring it to the next time something bad happens and we're we're more prepared yeah or we're able to help somebody out who isn't prepared you know um you know i again i i, I totally understand that, like it's a lot easier saying this just because you know i i got bullied and that was my big trauma yeah. problem going on in high school and mm -hmm. now i feel you know I'm, I'm a better person for it uh but on the other hand like you know there's stuff like that that i think is important to try to 
take with you moving forward of things, you know, like, again, like the whole quarantine life has really messed up a lot of people's lives. Definitely didn't wish it to happen, but also it's happened and there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. So all we kind of do is kind of pick up the pieces and move forward from this and kind of figure out what we can learn. And, and if it helps us all look to the future a little differently than we did before and change some things that maybe we needed to change, you know, again, personal level in uh, national level and a global level, you know, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And like, just as a little, I guess, like a self-experience, like exp- imp- knowing about impermanence and like accepting that has really helped me with like being less of like a bitter person, you know, like not holding on to grudges. It's just like in the end, these things, these little feuds, they just don't matter. Like, obviously there's context for that. But like most of the time, like I get into a fight with my sister and I'm pissed, you know, she broke my Lego set. I'm thinking like eight-year-old James. <laughs> I spent hours putting that together. Um you know, this is a very light example, but um, it does help to kind of just take a step back and just like put things into a bigger picture. Um, yeah. For me, like that's just one of my little tools that I try to use. Um, I will say this has probably been our most philosophical uh, episode <laughs> to date. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how my conversations tend to go. It's yeah, I love it. It's great. I haven't, ta- I haven't like had a conversation about like impermanence in a long time. So it's, yeah. it's a nice uh, refresher. Well, yeah. I mean, just uh, one more little antidote to that, and then maybe we can talk about something yeah. uh, a lighter. You know, I can mm-hmm. talk about Breakout Godzilla or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I know, like, for me, like, I've had a lot of uh, heartbreak over the last few years, uh, a lot of relationships that left me feeling very uh, just hurt mm-hmm. and just very... Uh, you know, what's wrong with me or why didn't things go the way, you know, the way I thought they would or wanted them to. Um, and like, especially going into quarantine, I was, I was like, you're stuck. I was bitter about being single. And like, I would look out the window and see these, you know, couples, you know, walking mm-hmm. um, their masks on and like, you know, embrace and hug and hold hands. And I'm sitting in my apartment, you know, haven't touched a human being in two months or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't talked to anybody except for over the phone or talked to my roommate, you know, uh he was he was a good guy but you know we kept our our own stuff yeah separate um and but anyway so like i was really upset about that stuff you know but i've been uh i was i just got into therapy before all this happened and now doing therapy over the phone and that's been helpful and i was talking to my therapist and kind of came to the conclusion it's just like you know what i as much as i really wanted i really would love to have somebody in my life to talk to and lean on and share stuff with um I'm also like focusing on the ideal version of what that would look like right now. And for most couples I know, this is a really bad time. Yeah. Like even if, whether they live together or not, like there's fights breaking up. I have at least a few friends who are going through like really messy divorces, mm. like either be just before all this or like more or less during this, like things kind of finalized and like Man. that would be a nightmare to dealing with on top of all this. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I kind of like have to remind myself like, oh, yeah, like I, I've i been feeling lonely, but also like I could be dealing with, you know, something way uh, more disruptive to my peace right now. Um, and also like, you know, I look back on my past life, you know, and I, I look back at like younger me and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I wish I could have had somebody when I was you know younger and just out of college or whatever. 
But then also I look back at like young Eric and I'm like, you're an idiot. You, you don't know what you want. You're not emotionally yep. available. You're not mm-hmm. good at communication. So, you know, I, I, I kind of had to shift my thinking and look at it instead of being bitter that like, oh, I'm, you know, 32 and I don't have, you know, a wife or a girlfriend or whatever. Um, I also had to like look and be like, you know what though, like younger me very well could have got into some, you know, could have been that stupid kid that was dating someone in high school so long he was just like well i guess we get married now mm-hmm. and now i'm you know in some sort of bitter loveless you know abusive relationship where she's abusive or i mean even, even i could have been abusive because like yeah. you know coming from like small town pennsylvania and not you know if i never got out of the city or if i just never had these years to grow on my own like you know things could have been really shitty mm-hmm. and i'm trying to be thankful that i'm where i am now because it's Trying to make the most of it all. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, I've always had this mentality of, like, I'd much rather be single and get married at 40 and have a great marriage than rush into a relationship out of, like, loneliness and basically yeah. try to force something that really was never going to work. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people, yeah, we, we do that. We, we mm-hmm. try to make something work that really isn't working and either we're too stuck on like what is and afraid of losing that for the future or yeah we're just we have a a wrong idea of what we're looking for yeah i know for me it was definitely i had the wrong idea of what i was looking for in the past um Um, i one time got a press pass from machinima back when they were a thing and got to go to comic con and like interview people who were like you know famous and one of the ones I was most proud of and I failed the most hard on was uh, Freddie Wong. Oh, yeah? He does like, the rocket jump video. Yeah, yeah, I love Freddie. He's back in the day. He's doing lots of cool stuff now. But we set up, recorded him, and then found out later that we never turned the mic on. So we had this video with no audio. And it wasn't like, oh, we've got crappy audio. No, we None. had no audio. Oh, that's really rough nothing we could do about it man so i think it's interesting so like what do you do in the real world what's like what's your job uh yeah i mean (laughs) day job is just a a day job i was dog walking for several years here in new york city okay um and then i made a switch to uh, a random company where I teach people how to throw axes. That's cool. That's yeah. a really niche but interesting <laughs> job. Yeah, it's a. I've been doing that for two years now, mm-hmm. and we'll see kind of what happens with all this pandemic stuff going on. Um, if they, they don't know when they're going to open up again, and we're kind of not sure how business is going to look afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my day job. Uh, I also, you know, sell the stuff on the Etsy shop, yeah. uh, which I'm actually picking up strangely. Huh. But, I mean, I was surprised. Like when all this happened, I was so sure that, you know, everybody was going to run out of money, money yeah. to buy like luxury items, you know, like mm-hmm. my pins are a luxury item. They're art yeah. that you don't really need to survive. You know, a t-shirt you could be say, oh, well, I, I need a shirt to wear, but a pin is kind of an excess accessory. Yeah. So I was sure, like, my sales are just going to tank. And things have actually been pretty consistent. And um, That's good. Had more people buy shirts and hats and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, still people buying that. 
Uh, that definitely does not like, you know, cover rent or anything like that. But that's a, a side thing I do, and it definitely grown. I'm, I'm, you know, always happy to kind of expand my shop and, and add some more stuff. Um, I do a lot of you know random kind of freelance stuff too, video editing, mm -hmm. you know, graphic design stuff. But I, freelancing the own weird hustle. I don't yeah, it is. Do that from time. I feel on that one. But uh, do you have any uh, do you have any axe throwing tips, real quick? <laughs> I used to do a little hatchet throwing when I was in Boy Scouts. I did it a couple times. Yeah. Well, hold hold up just a second then. No worries, uh, no worries. Oh man. Oh snap! You're prepared, dude. Oh yeah, this is uh one of the old axes we used to throw with. Uh. We, since the place I work at changed out, uh, these have wooden handles here. Mm -hmm. And the problem is when you throw an axe, it spins, and a lot of the guests would make it hit like this way. Yeah. And eventually the wood handle breaks apart. Or snaps, yeah. Uh, the ones we, oh, that's super dusty and gross. <laughs> uh, it's just in the corner. Doesn't get a lot of use right now, yeah. obviously. Um, but uh, the um, the ones we throw with are metal, metal hatchets, uh, and they stand up a lot longer to a lot more abuse huh um but basically a lot of so yeah advice for axe throwing 101 here um a lot of people kind of don't think about how the axe moves through the air mm -hmm. um because like if you throw a dart you're kind of just throwing it straight ahead of you yeah but when you throw an axe it's got to spin mm -hmm. it's got to do that motion uh and so a lot of people don't think about kind of how their body has to move to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will throw and kind of do like a basketball shoot or something like that. Yeah. It's like what you want to do is like whip it and swing it full body kind of motion. Uh, so you're acting to do one nice neat rotation, hit with the pointy part of the axe. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you're chopping a log. It's a log chop motion. That's interesting. Next cycle as it travels. Okay. Uh, to your target. Um, and it's kind of about get, just getting your form. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people, especially big, tough, muscle guys, uh, they think it's all about power, mm -hmm. and that's not even a little true. Uh, there is a complex equation of like you know rotation and power and speed and, and distance and, and da da da. da. Uh, but I've seen people throw with all the power of Thor, but because they've got terrible rotation, their axe hits you know. Like, like that. this, yeah, and bounces right off while their girlfriend comes up and she throws and she, you know, it's like this big muscle guy and his little <laughs> petite girlfriend of her like long mm -hmm. nails and she'll throw and it'll just kind of like float in it's and it hits huh. sticks. Uh, one of my favorite stories, um, and, and again, I'm I'm generalizing. You know, usually the the guys come in and are all macho and throwing too hard, and usually the ladies are a lot better listening, maybe not as physically inclined as their boyfriends mm -hmm. or husbands co-workers but there's always strangers that, that mess up you know what you expect uh, one of the best throws I ever saw was a, a, a mom with a bunch of kids there's a whole bunch of families together and this uh -huh. one mom just would not stop throwing bullseyes damn and she wasn't like that fit bit mom she was just like a stay-at-home kind of mom but she was that's awesome the arm. Some, uh, uh, but no, so one of my favorite stories though was uh, one of the first weekends one of the first few weekends when I was there uh, I had a bunch of like Jersey Shore extras come in, just like oh, yeah? big Italian guys with their little Italian girlfriends. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and again, all of these guys, like I'm five seven, five eight on a good day, and all these guys are like six foot four, six foot five, like like they're yeah. big, tall guys, big, huge muscles, and all the girlfriends were, were shorter than me, maybe four foot eleven or something, like long hair, big hoop earrings, long mm-hmm. nails. They were dressed for the club, uh, <laughs> but they were so go to support their boyfriends. Were very excited about this, mm-hmm. and uh, for whatever whatever reason. Um, they decided to do guys against girls. And I was okay. like, I, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea, but they're like, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be great. It'll be great. So I, they do it. The guys are some sort of, you know, morning wood. That's their name or something, something dumb like that. Okay, yeah. dumb mm-hmm. Nuendo pun. Uh, I mean, I make dumb, dumb innuendo puns all the time at that job. <laughs> More of the story is they, when they stood up to throw, mm-hmm. uh, they all wanted to stand really far back. But then they would throw so hard that their axe would spin too much, mm. and it would hit with the back of the axe like that and bounce off. And they turn to me and go, "Why didn't it hit? Why didn't it stick, bro?" And I'm like, "Cause you're too far back. You gotta step closer." And he'd be like, "No, yeah. no, I, I don't want to cheat." And I'm like, "That's, that's not, not that's not how it works. That's not how that works. It's yeah. the rotation." Uh, so then, like, their girlfriend steps up to throw, and she's throwing, and she's like, "Eh," but it hits. Her aim's not exactly there but it hits and it sticks yeah because she's got the rotation down and she listens to me uh so the first game was first of 55 points and we usually get through three or four games in a night uh but because of how many people they were playing with and how nobody none of the guys listened to anything i said advice wise uh the guys didn't score any points until the very last few rounds of the game and the First game took the entire hour and a half. Oh my God. Uh, final score was ladies 54, guys 56. Because in the last three rounds, two, like, two of the guys figured out how to throw bullseyes finally. <laughs> wow. Come back. Just getting a little uh-huh. more point. That's kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, I miss it. It's, it was fun throwing axes. Uh, and it was it was cool, too, because, like, a lot of people would come in there and they, they you know, no one's done that before. Mm-hmm. It's weird. They don't think they're going to have, I, I, we even have like corporate events where there'd be people who. Oh God. That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> they're like, my boat was to go bowling, but you know, I yeah. guess we're here. I got to throw some axes. And then they get out there and like, oh, this is fun. I'm liking this. Like, you Any know, boss like, vengeance stories? <laughs> Any boss vengeance stories? You know, a worker turns on the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. There'd be some times yeah. where, like, there'd be an event and, uh, you know, you could tell who was the head honcho guy that everybody mm. was trying to kind of impress or, or make sure, you know, he was happy. Um, there was one, I mean, again, we were, we also get, like, a lot of, like, people from, like, Manhattan into this Brooklyn mm. establishment of ours. Uh, and there'd be people off of Wall Street or whatever, you know, corporate suits and, and yeah. tie, polished shoes. Uh, I had one super buff guy go to throw an axe and just rip his shirt. Oh. Just like out of it, literally. Um, there, was a, there was a group of guys, like lawyers, and they were all, again, like cocky and arrogant, but like at least these guys were like good at throwing, decent, but they were decent at throwing, but terrible at listening, yeah. as most guys are. Uh, and they started making bets on each other. And like, like it was weird because some of the loudest guys were the worst throwers, but they would bet the most money against some other asshole. Wow, that's uh, interesting. And then like, 
luckily one of my it was a big group so they had like multiple ranges going my coworker got the boss of the night and everybody kept challenging him but the boss guy was like smart and he a listened to his expert his ex instructor uh-huh. uh, but also he was like <laughs> i don't want to win this money i make plenty mm-hmm. and if i win the you know the 100 bucks they're throwing around now like they're going to ask me to pay for drinks later so any tip money i any money i win i will give you guys as a tip so we ended up getting like 600 dollars in tips from that group because like Damn. he kept challenging the boss man he kept winning uh <laughs> not bad so, so i was gonna say like besides the uh the the remembering how an axe throws i would mm-hmm. also recommend anybody who goes to go throw axes or, or any other new skill really is listen to the person who's paid to teach you yeah they, they know what they're talking you'd about. think that'd be common sense but uh you would think that uh but there's a lot of common sense that seems to escape people when it comes to axes that's uh very concerning <laughs> i i made that dramatic for a reason uh, i'm gonna share three stories Mm-hmm. about people who didn't use common sense. I can't. God. All right. I, I just said the name of my place. I don't know if I actually want to name where I'll I'm bleep worried. it. Don't worry, I'll bleep it. Yeah, redacted. Thank you. Yeah, redacted. <laughs> um, so, first, uh, lack of common sense. Uh, I heard about this through someone else. So it's not my story, it's someone else's story. But there was a first date, and it was just a guy and a girl, and they came in and they met there and they didn't know each other before all this you mm-hmm. know matched on tinder or whatever and they're trying to throw axes as a first date and the guy for whatever reason is being really aggressive mm. and like trash talking her and he's like throwing and like getting points and like being like yeah bring it you got you know suck it i don't know i, I don't know what he's saying but he's trash talking her yeah and she's struggling she's not doing very well because she's never done this before um Maybe it's not her thing. I don't, I don't know these people. But anyways, apparently, they're just like, the date's not going well. And, like, they take a break for a moment, and they're standing there with their drinks. It's awkward silence. And then the guy's like, so, um, what's a turnoff of yours? And she looks at him and goes, over-competitive. <laughs> Put the drink down and leaves. Uh, that sounds like a scripted joke. It's, it, you think so? <laughs> I, mean, I believe you, but... Fun for uh, for sharing the story. Yeah. Uh, I've heard about a couple breaking up on the range. These two girls, hmm. two women were, were apparently having a fight, and just mid throwing axes, the one was like, "We should break up." <laughs> it was like, "This is where you choose to do this, right?" Now. He has a weapon. Or she has a well, weapon. Like, you know, like yeah, she's got a weapon. We're in the middle of an event. You got strangers <laughs> involved now. You chose not yeah. to do this. Great. Okay. Cool. Uh, the last uh, no common sense thing is a lot of people ask us, you know, oh, have people been injured here? Has anybody died? Yeah. Uh, and when people have been injured from axe-related injuries, most of the time it's their, that person's own damn fault. Yeah. And, like, the, the worst injury I ever heard about was somebody who picked up the axe and goes, oh, how sharp are these? Oh, come on. Come on. He ran it across his fingers. Had to get stitches. Did not throw axes that day. Use a piece of paper. <laughs> like, use your hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, and not don't like don't oh, run it across God. your hand. Like I've had people like Man. thumb it or whatever. Yeah. Which, like I don't think you know. Like like people do this, mm-hmm. and I'm like, do you do you know what you're doing? 
Because like I know you, I know that seems cool, but do you know if it's sharp by that? I don't yeah, think like you do. no. <laughs> wow, that that I'm actually pretty shocked about. That someone just straight up just like. I mean, you know, people are are weird, and like there definitely have been like close calls. Like you know, uh, one of my coworkers uh, had a guy throw the axe, and it bounced. It hit in a way that it bounced right back at him. And luckily, it was like coming like like this. Oh. So he just kind of like caught Step. it. Yeah. Oh, he caught it. And then he threw it again. Wow. <laughs> but like, but he was just like, "Dude, your your life flashed before my eyes." And the guy was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> Damn. Is there alcohol involved in this? I'm hoping there isn't. There is. <laughs> we we serve alcohol. Uh-huh. Uh It is largely like we only serve can. Oh, okay. Uh, so you know you got hard you know you got ciders and, and beer and hard seltzer and canned wine so you'd have to work very hard to get to drunk get at there. our place on, on our stock yeah some people take it as a challenge i don't recommend it um no. there is a bar literally next door to our place and some people do go there to pregame and then slosh over to us uh but we cut them off we try if we if we see you're going to be a nuisance or a problem we yeah we, we stop people some of those before they even get on the rain uh there definitely are some times where we you know there's you know we try to let the guests throw we kind of try to let them you know if they claim they're okay you give them a shot but sometimes it, yeah no you, you gotta make that call yeah huh that's interesting yeah. though that's cool it's like a like yeah. a hidden a hidden detail i never knew about you <laughs> like Here's, here's the hidden detail they don't tell you on the website on the flyer. Um, so we had a uh, a police officer brought in one day to talk to us about what to do during an active shooter drill. Mm. Uh, and, the, and the guy was like, okay, if I'm honest, uh, if someone really wants to like shoot up a bunch of random people, you're probably not going to be a target. You know, they're going to yeah. go to a church. They're going to go to a, you know, a convention center. They're going to go to a mall or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anybody that comes to your establishment is more likely to going to be a disgruntled uh, guest or a disgruntled employee. Yeah. Uh, and when there's an active shooter drill, you have three responses: uh, run, hide, fight. Yeah. And it's like, well, there's one entrance to this place, and there's oh, no great. exit, so you really can't run if he comes in the front. And then it's kind of an open floor space. There's a back area you can get to, but it's all kind of open, so you really can't hide from this. So three, lastly, you all have access. <laughs> so maybe, I think, your best option is to fight back. And we were all like, well, you got two axes and two chances to be the hero today. Great. Isn't that, isn't that Ip Man, the axe, uh, the axe uh, fighting scene where he's fighting against all the guys, like trying to hack him with an axe? Oh, maybe. There's a few good movies, kung fu movies with uh Yeah, with axe axes. fights. Yeah. Kung fu hustle. Oh, that's a great one, yeah. We get paid minimum wage at that job to like, Ooh. I don't. I'm not taking a bullet for that. Yeah, company. no. No thanks. I, I'll I'll bring an axe at somebody just to save my coworkers because they're my friends and family basically. But oof. hope it never comes to that. No. Yeah. Hopefully. 
Damn. Um, let's see. I do have a few more questions. Oh, okay. So I did want to ask you about this. So not everyone knows this, but you are the guy who made, and I'm blanking on the name right now, the field codes. Yeah. So SCP field codes. How how that happen? What'd you do? <laughs> like inspiration? Like what kind of gave you yeah. that idea? Um. Yes, yeah, so that was actually yeah, the SCP field code. Why do I keep saying it? The SCP field codes are one of my first uh, kind of pieces of art I ever made for the SCP mm-hmm. Foundation fandom. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, again, I got into SCP through like an R Reddit, subreddit, you know, for like creepy pictures or something like that. And, and there's some, I feel like, I feel like that must have been where I saw the picture, but somehow I came across like old hobo sign. Yeah. And that's, um, like a secret kind of code of symbols that, you know, people who are kind of, you know, hopping trains and, and trying to live nomadic in America or, or survive being homeless in America, uh, they would use for, uh, not just America, else too, but they would use these to like mark, you know, if there's a church that gives people free food hmm. or there's an old lady who can, uh, you know, be, if you tell her a sob story that she'll she'll let you stay there for the night huh. or if there's a dog in a place or a police officer that harasses people in this area they would they had these symbols that they would draw real quick on the sides of buildings and on concrete and walls and such um and they you know would change them they would kind of have kind of like you know I, I, it sounded like they'd have meetings basically like there'd be small groups that would get together and kind of like establish these symbols and then kind of like pass the word along word of mouth through things hmm. you know it, it wasn't super tightly organized um and it's got a thing where like you know there's probably you know all kinds of variations on these and, and little pockets of communities that had their own symbols you know maybe they were more closely knit uh for example like Thieves have definitely used symbols like that, where hmm. they have a little, you know, a little group of criminals would have signs that they would be putting up, you know, to mark like an easy target or a house they're staking out, or, you know, something that they, someplace where they know there's some you know, value maybe. Uh, so yeah, so I, I saw these, thought they were super cool, super weird, and I thought about I was re- I felt like I was reading just story after story after story about MTFs going into like, um, you know weird houses and extra dimensional portals and these weird situations where they lost contact. They almost always seem to lose radio contact yeah. and command and end up, you know, they find, you know, the, all the entire MTF dead or they'd find a, a shriveled old corpse of an MTF where it's like, wait a second, they went in there, you know, two days ago. How that, what happened? You know, weirdness going on. Uh, and I just thought it'd be super cool to like, what if the MTF, people had their own little symbols, these ways to communicate with each other, like if they get disconnected, if they lose sight of each other. And and it would be something where like only that small elite team would like really, you know, know what their symbols meant. Or maybe, you mm-hmm. know, maybe somebody back in command would know, but like it would be a very tight knit secret thing. Uh, this is a very long way to go around all this. Yeah, no, no, um, it's good. Though. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I drew that. And the first ones I drew... Uh, I got some feedback on the forums, which was like, ah, you know, I don't know if this really fits. 
uh, you should make it for the serpent's hands because they're a bit mm -hmm. more like hobo-esque, mystic hobos. Yeah. So I made like another version for serpent hands and put that on the wiki and then kind of like forgot about it. And then apparently the SCP field coverage ones just started getting picked up and passed around. And like mm -hmm. I even saw somebody like on Tumblr share it, like, oh, this is something the guys from Welcome to Night Vale would have, would you use like Cecil or uh, Carl Carlos would use this. Um, uh, that was cool to kind of see like what had inspired yeah. come come back around. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I've seen them pop up all over the place, and it was kind of cool because you know there was a few years where I had no idea that anybody even gave a shit about them. Yeah. And then somebody like somebody pointing out like, oh, there's a ton of these out mm -hmm. there. People keep sharing this post. So I was like, what? So I started looking and like, I found it on, you know, different 4chan things and creepypasta, you know, reddits and, you know, sharing it here and there. And then finally, I think SCP Illustrated was like reached out. It was like, hey, yeah, you're the guy behind these, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. make a video on these. I'm like, oh, damn. Sure. You know, so I, I feel like if, if they ever did like die off for a little while, I think he kind of helped bring them back. Bring them back, yeah. Vision. Um. I know recently, I don't know if this was ever confirmed, but um, I know, I think you were talking about how Boneworks, you think they actually had it in Boneworks, that uh, new VR game. Yeah. Do you know, did you ever find out if like, what yeah. happened with that? Yeah. Uh, so they did, they do have it. Uh, Boneworks, the game, it's a VR game on Steam. Mm -hmm. They do have my symbols in there. And uh, somebody from the SCP Wiki team, which is, kind of why again i like the scp fandom is that we've got staff and licensed mm -hmm. people kind of working on our side as creators um somebody reached out to me was like hey do you know that your symbols are in this game mm -hmm. and it's not even like oh they also you know like the idea of hobo code or no it's, no it's it's yours yes yeah <laughs> um and they got in touch with me and like i am a bit more lax about that kind of stuff especially mm -hmm. like since SCP stuff is Creator Commons, so you yeah. kind of have to be okay if someone potentially using your stuff without crediting without properly crediting you. Um, so you know they they reach out to me. They gave me some free Steam codes for the game and credit me in the game, which is my first video game credit ever, which is cool. That's was, awesome. That's cool. Cool for premium designs. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but the guy who helped develop uh, Boneworks. Is Brandon, yeah. who is uh, buddies with uh, Freddie W. Oh, nice. So, uh, I don't know, maybe you have some weird connection to that channel, to the Freddie W. channel, and the people involved well, in it. I was going to say, it's like, it's weird because, I don't know, like with the SCP fandom in general, but just also in like creative fields, like you sometimes feel so isolated, like mm -hmm. working just by yourself in your, yeah. your little space, doing your own stuff. You put it online and some randos online talk about it hear about it but yeah stuff goes out there and people hear and see it you mm -hmm. know and, uh you know that's definitely something you know yeah I've, I've always i've been hoping that like my work with, the, with my podcast can help me branch out and maybe get some work like that some other cool people yeah definitely i mean same here that's like with my channel it's like half of it's for youtube half of it's like oh for my director reel like this is my portfolio yeah. kind of stuff um yeah. Which is cool. Definitely, it definitely is a surreal moment when you see like your thing and someone's like, "Oh, here's a meme I made of your thing." Like you don't even—they didn't even bring it to you. You just find it like on Reddit or something. It's like, huh? I guess 
like the views are there. You see people are watching things and responding and commenting, but I feel like it's different when you just see it out in the wild. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's like a weird like disconnect. Yeah. Well, it's, there's ups and downs about it because like, I know I've had times where I've like stumbled across some of my stuff that's being used. Like somebody was selling the SCP deal codes on like t-shirts. Hmm. And I was like, what, what the fuck? Yeah. It looked like they didn't credit. They didn't even credit mm -hmm. the foundation, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I, I had those taken down because, you know, they weren't properly attributing stuff. But then I was like, okay, I guess people want this on a shirt. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now I've got it on a shirt. Yeah. And like, again, with the, with the foundation stuff, like anybody can use your stuff, but they have to credit and attribute properly. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of, you know, kind of that double-edged sword where, like, I can sell, you know, SCP-049 and, like, the SCP logo as pins, but also if anybody else wanted to get in on that, too, they could. They could, yeah. Um, and it's that weird thing with, like, creatives where, like, we all kind of want to keep control and we're all afraid of, like, well, you know, what happens when, when someone else gets in on the business, too, and, and such. And, you know, as much as I, you know, have tried to... Uh, establish myself as, as a good seller and the person to go to, you know, I also have to be aware that uh, I'm, you know, making a sandcastle, you know, yeah. I'm playing in someone else's sandbox. There are. I mean, and you're reaping the benefits of that SCP brand, like people knowing what SCP is, you know, so, yeah. you know, that, that's the, that, if that's the price you have to pay, I think it's pretty fair, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I, I, I find it odd when artists are very against making scp art because of the creative commons thing because mm -hmm. it's like yes you can draw your own totally unique thing that's you own all by yourself yeah but as an indie artist like that's very hard to build up a following for your mm -hmm. own content original content and the scp foundation is this massive international community that is hungry for yeah. content so you can make your own thing entirely yourself, or if you are willing to play with the Creative Commons, you can make something that already has an audience that is ready to go. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, depending on like what you're creating and like what your style is, like, you know, like like, you know, again, like I, I'm selling, you know, this, this SCP pin. There's other people who sell it, the SCP logo pins. You know, it's just the SCP logo. You know, it's, yeah. I almost feel bad selling it sometimes because I, I didn't really do anything for it. But on the other hand, like, you know, I've got my own versions of, you know, SCP-99 and like the, the I made a Marshall and Carter, Marshall, Marshall, Carter and Darkly, not Darkly. MC&D. MC&D, McDonald's. MC&D, I made a pin of that and that's my own design of that. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, you know, and even, but even like beyond that, you know, like, you know, with your guys' videos of like my podcast, like somebody else could copy us. Somebody could it say, has. oh, I'm making a new, yeah. a new uh, FM radio, but also like I, I've got my story, I've got my character, I've got my script. Like you can, you can take what I've made and make something new, but I've still kind of got the monopoly on what I make. Yeah. You know? No, because I've I've had um, foreign channels actually. They'll just completely rip my video, no credit. We had a Chinese yeah. and a Vietnamese channel, um, 
and I'm like, hey, just credit this. I don't want to, and I hate YouTube's copyright system because literally all I want to be is like, hey, I don't care. Just, just give us credit. But YouTube's like, yeah. no, you have to do a copyright claim. You have to mark their channel. And it's just like, yeah. I don't care that much, you know? Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing too. Like even like the the, the t-shirts that somebody was selling with the, the symbols, it's like, if they had credited me properly, if they had mm -hmm. followed the license, I A, couldn't do anything, but yeah. also I wouldn't do anything. Like you're allowed to do it's that. It's in the right, yeah. Yeah, um, it's part of what allows us to do what we do, mm -hmm. you know? So it's not fair to say, oh, no one else can do that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's that's something that's kind of, you know, this weird thing about the fandom, I think that I'm curious how it's going to play out over the next couple of years because, mm -hmm. you know, bigger and bigger productions are being made, like movies, and board games, and video games, and comics, and da 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 and on the one hand, like, it'd be really shitty of someone to, like, just rip off all of your channel videos and put them on their channel. Yeah. But again, if they follow the credit thing, like, you know, you, you wouldn't really be able to stop them. But also, like, I think it's one of those things, too, where, like, if you were just being shitty in the community, like, word gets around. Yeah. You know? I think fans like, have been pretty good at self-policing, which is kind of yeah. cool. Like, I've heard about... You know, yeah, all the YouTube channels break popping up where they basically just downloaded everyone, like like Vulgans and your stuff and mm -hmm. Lord Bung died and they downloaded those and uploaded them again. But like, that person is you know only regurgitating content. Yeah, you know, like not putting anything new or nothing on it. So like, your fans know your work and, and know your worth. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's it's kind of like a weird ecosystem where I think there's checks and balances. Yeah, but it's still like kind of perilously balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is just no one would be watching my shit if I didn't have SCP on it right now, you know, <laughs> like, or a lot less would, you know, it's really hard to build a fan base from scratch. So like, if I can, if SCP and its knowledge, I mean, I'm not doing it just, I also love the content, that's why I make it. But it just helps that like, if I can borrow the fan base to get my videos watched, although I'm not really borrowing, I'm adding to the fan base. So I guess that's the wrong way to yeah, do it. You know? don't, don't. Yeah. Don't diss yourself. You're bringing something new, but yeah, you're you're selling to a crowd that's interested already. You yeah, know? you're saying, hey, you know, you like these stories? I got more of this. You know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, again, I think that's the, the fun of it is just like just like how making your own thing is hard to kind of market and tell someone, uh, you know, hey, check out my stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. On the other side of that, you know, how many times do you love a piece of medium, but there's no more stories about those characters. Mm -hmm. You know, because the artist is like, ah, we did one season of Gravity Falls. That's yeah. all we need. Mm -hmm. But what if anybody could make new seasons of that, new stories of that stuff? You know, so now you don't have to wait for that podcast that updates once every year. You yeah. can go enjoy all this other SCP stuff while you wait for that to come back. You know? mm -hmm. This is cool. Um, yeah, it kind of makes me think of Warhammer. There's a couple other um, bigger like IPs where like. The creators are just like, make stuff. We don't care, you know. And that's where you get stuff like Antares and you get War Warhammer board games and well, actually started out as a board game, but like you get the video games. Like they're just so like loose with their license. They're just like, make stuff. We don't care. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Honestly, I I kind of feel like that's the future. That's where things should go. Mm -hmm. Um. Again, it's all sorts of weird and, and strange. I I was just had a. I thought the other week about how like I know a lot of artists who are really 
anti-Disney because of copyright mm-hmm. laws that they've fucked up. And like, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it all. I'm not going to say that Disney perfect or wonderful even. Um, but it's odd because like Disney, I understand why they want to protect Mickey Mouse because at this point, like they've built their entire theme park and billions of dollars into this character. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to just like let that Loose. go. Yeah. And also like, I don't know that the world is missing out on Mickey Mouse stories because you and I can't play Mickey Mouse stories. Yeah. Like, I think at this point, like, if Mickey Mouse's copyright, whatever, went up, like, I think people would just, you know, do a big fuck you to to Disney and would just draw, you know, Mickey Mouse porn all day. You know, people would just do it. Yeah, I think that, I mean, people probably still draw Mickey Mouse porn porn now, you know. (laughs) I I think I'd stop it, though. that's the thing too but it doesn't stop it you know yeah that's the the thing i notice online is there's so much fan art Mm -hmm. there's so many amazing you know um artists that have put in a lot of time into like making art and comics and animations and stories about these characters from movies games Mm -hmm. you know some of the content uh explores topics that the the original source material never could touch yeah you know um whether that's you know uh harry potter malfoy you know romance fan fiction or whether that's you know ponies in the fallout wasteland or whatever yeah whether you're matching up stuff whatever um they can explore content that the original source can't and i think that is really wonderful and beautiful mm-hmm. um and fans already do so much art that's kind of like in the gray area of like fan art you know yeah. it's like well you know it's as long as you're not making any money off of it, or as long as you're not making too much money off of it, or as long as it's, you know, as long as you don't say the name, you know, Doom guy, you yeah. just be like a giant marine guy kills demons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for your webcomic, whatever you're doing. Um, and it's just like, I think the future is, I'd like to see in the future more companies being like, okay, yeah. we've got this, you know, Avengers world, and if you want to make some fan Avengers comic, Here's a little license that allows you to do something with it. I mean, it's it's free marketing, you know. Yeah. It helps build build hype and all that. Yeah. Like I mean, there's like the famous story, um, how piracy saved Game of Thrones. Literally, piracy helped create a fan base off people who didn't own HBO and then convinced them to get HBO. So that's why I have a very like a very gray area with piracy. I think it actually it's it's saved so many TV shows and like film series that um yeah. I think the idea of just ownership like that natural intention of wanting to own everything and like that starvation mentality ironically can end up hurting you a lot more. Um yeah. So well, I know yeah. with the SCB Foundation I I I mean I've got all sorts of video projects and ideas that I'd love to do but may never have the time for the span for but I, I thought it'd be interesting to, to try to do some topics kind of like what uh Sumerian does talking about different things and one thing I thought would be cool to talk about was trying to find some of the authors and creators who have had characters that kind of taken off and mm-hmm. taken in directions they never thought they would go to yeah you know so like doc you know Dr. Clef and Dr. Bright um 682 you know, etc. There's these big name characters that have been explored and repackaged and taken in, in different directions from maybe where they started. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's always been funny when I catch glimpses of that. Like I remember yeah. the, the the guy 
I, I, I want to say that the author behind Dr. Clef was commenting about how he's kind of been, like, in a playful way, I felt like. Like, I don't think it was a huge problem to him, but he, he was kind of like venting that people always draw Dr. Clef as this like really handsome anime guy, really handsome anime boy. And they're like, no, he's supposed to be like a, like your, your crazy old uncle. He's yeah. supposed to have a dad bod. He's supposed to be this stout kind of thick guy that's mm-hmm. not really good looking. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, and I, I know that the uh, the author behind SCP-811, which is the Swamp Woman, oh, yeah. um, they were commenting about how they've had some really weird fans send them weird questions or artwork about that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> about, you know, genitalia like and such. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, and, but, so, but, but still, like, it explores the idea of, like, what does it feel like to be somebody who makes a character, has a direction for it, and then somebody else kind of plays with it and runs with it in a totally different direction you didn't expect. Yeah. Um, there's some good to that, there's some bad to that. It's, a, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, yeah. But I, I always say I love to have more options, you know? I like to see... Yeah. I'd rather wade through a bunch of crap and find diamonds in the rough than not have it ever made. Yeah. Well, I know that's why I really like uh, just, like, that there's so many communities off the wiki. Like, mm-hmm. I think the wiki's great that there's, you know, quality control and there's kind of formats that are established and such, but I think it's really great that there's a lot of communities now that are existent, you know, on Reddit or YouTube or Tumblr or whatever, uh, and you can create something weird or different out there that maybe the whole fandom doesn't care for or doesn't get behind, but you also might make something that someone out there thinks is really cool and they really mm-hmm. really gels with them and you can kind of become popular in that way you know like like connor confinement series mm-hmm. those characters all exist off the wiki yeah but most of the fandom knows those characters and respects you know that storyline or that world yeah lord bonnie built i mean that's what i mean that's what i find so attractive about scp it's so flexible there's no strict canon like you can interpret it any way you want which is yeah. beautiful. It's like a it's like a dream, you know, because <laughs> I hate the yeah. idea of adapting uh, something that's as huge as the SP universe, where there's five thousand stories, and imagining that oh, there's a very specific canon, and you have to figure out all the intricate details and parts, and it's just like man, that'd be a nightmare, like to yeah. constantly keep check of everything, you know. And fans often come up with way better ideas, and I feel like what the original creator sometimes it even dreamed of yeah mm-hmm. you know um and like I, I i remember growing up like my cousins were huge huge into star wars yeah. um i don't know how i got this misunderstood but somehow growing up i had thought that darth vader was the way he was you know in the original trilogy after like years like decades maybe even centuries of like force manipulation using mm-hmm. the force to like you know drain life from other people like you know mm-hmm. this had its toll on him he was a mechanical part man part machine after you know countless battles where he almost died but you know came through and then we got the prequels and it's you know i have the high ground no you don't <laughs> i hate you i love you like a brother but i'm gonna let you die <laughs> that's how we got done yeah and it's like i like I like my version way better, um, you know. So like, 
<laughs> I think there's so be something you said about not, you know, just going by what the original creator wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the whole Star Wars Legends stuff, too, where it's kind of like, yeah, yeah or even a lot of the novels, which are all just like, nice knowing you. Bye. I mean, they still exist, though. You can, uh, you can fake their canon. I just, finished, uh, I just finished the trilogy. And it was fun, yeah. It's definitely, like, again, explores parts that, like, the original movies just didn't have mm-hmm. space or attention for. I mean, that's why I personally really like Mandalorian. Because it was, like, the first time there's, like, an official Star Wars thing that's, like, I wanted something like this. Where it just has nothing to do with, well, so far, it has nothing to do with Jedis or Darth Vader or the Skywalkers. It's just a little, do- a little piece of the world. So. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I think that kind of goes back to, you know, like what I, I was saying, uh, attracts me like, attracts me to stories like Welcome Night Vale and these kind of, the, the FM radio, just kind of slice of life inside a weird place. Mm-hmm. It's just that like, you know, we love the Star Wars universe. So like, we'd love to see these characters kind of, you know, we want to see bounty hunters doing their bounty yeah. hunters. You know, we want to see, you know, what happens when there's, uh, Stormtroopers invade a small another town in Tatooine, mm-hmm. on Tatooine or whatever you know, or, or wherever they were. I forget. Yeah, I forget. Doesn't desert place, <laughs> another desert yeah. planet. <laughs> Undisclosed desert planet number five. Would have been Jakku, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? All right, we we've been chatting for a while. I think we we're past the two-hour point. Um, Probably. Let's got yeah. So I think that's a good place to to wrap it, but. We covered a lot. That was a really yeah. nice like variety we got going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you listen back to it and you decide that any any like sections, you know, maybe. Oh, I definitely will. I, I just started doing clips actually recently. Um, I started with Bong, and then I'm just gonna slowly go chronologically. Um, but before we wrap up, is there anything you want to shout out? Anything you want to? Yeah. Bring up. Yeah. Is it cool for me to plug a future episode of FAM Radio and my Etsy anything? Shop? Anything. Great, great, great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so not anything, course. but <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Um, I won't tell people about my OnlyFans. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Let's get that on the DL. Uh, it's it's funny to me because OnlyFans like has tried to market itself like as a company. They're like creators and streamers and da da da. Oh really? I, I only know of it. As, like, <laughs> yeah. And sexy cosplays. Yeah. No, I you know I'm not against that, but it's like the company clearly. I think that's hilarious though. Trying to get yeah. away from like that, which the is disconnect. kind of fucked up because that's where they I think kind of. That's what made them. Yeah. Yeah. But that's hmm. happened before on other things. Um. Yeah. So uh, I definitely you know encourage everybody who hasn't already to check out uh, Foundation After Midnight Radio, my podcast, which updates uh, when it updates. But you know, there's over. There's a few hours of con of episodes up now. Yeah, nice, um, yeah. I'm working on a new episode. Just been kind of distracted in quarantine life, uh, but again, you know, it's a it's a fun story that I've been trying to keep going. I just you know I'm gonna keep working at it until until I die, basically. Damn, um, lifelong. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. People That's ask me like, "Oh, I'm so glad you came back," and like, mm-hmm. I never I mean I never left. I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did an update for a long time. You know, I'm, I'm active on social media. Uh, Toad King Studios or, or mm-hmm. SCP FAM Radio on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. Links in the description. Uh, also, yep, links in the description. Uh, I also invite anybody to check out uh, my Etsy shop, Toad King Studios, where I sell uh, SCP pins and 
various designs that I have on coffee mugs and uh, t-shirts and stuff <laughs> like that. Stickers. Uh, yep, yep, and uh, whatnot. Um, I forgot to mention this. Uh, you talk about how I got Lord Bung to be Connor. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, part of that was also because he asked me if we wanted any voice actors on his thing, whatever. Hmm. Something he needed voice actors, and I was like, hey, do you want? the host of my show on your show and you're yeah like, yeah so uh kyle my brother yeah. dj skip he voices stanley in the confinement scene. oh yes yeah i remember that i do remember a lot that. of people didn't recognize him because he, he does a pretty good job of being like a weird different voice yeah uh and i i definitely would love to work with more scp creators out there so uh, unfortunately, I always have more people interested in working with me than I have roles. Mm -hmm. But if you're somebody for a YouTube channel or a podcast or like that, definitely, you know, get in touch. I would love to see you, you know, do a little crossover or something. Yeah, I'm all about collaboration, dude. That's like my, my yeah. big thing. That's part of why I made this podcast, honestly. So like, yeah. put a face to the, uh, to the channels and the content creators out there. Yeah, well, I definitely like when i don't know, because again we all spend so much time working by ourselves in our mm -hmm. in our apartments in our, our studios and our whatever and we're just kind of by ourselves it, you know we're, we're a community you know whether or not like i i don't have time to watch you know all the readings that people put out exactly but also like you know my fans do yeah i you know i respect what a lot of these other guys and gals are putting out there mm -hmm. uh so it's very cool to see what people are doing and, and you know, I try to support people when I can and try to collaborate with people when I can. And I hope we all just kind of keep making cool artwork. Yeah. Sounds good. I think that's a, a really nice note to leave on. So, yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. I'll see you guys next week or next month. I'm trying to do these monthly. We'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. No promises. Weekly's, Weekly's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monthly. But, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course.